0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online. Before I get started, I do have one announcement, and this really is going to affect the people who are watching us online, both on Facebook and uh, on uh, our YouTube channel. Uh, Starting next week, uh, we are only going to be videoing and broadcasting our sermon, the announcements and our sermon, and not necessarily the worship and it's not that we're trying to keep you from worshiping online with us but what happens is we have to have two mixes there's a what we call the house mix and Sean's up on the board and he's great at this but it's really really hard we have a house mix where everything can hopefully sound balanced you know in our room but when you're watching online it's a very separate mix and we really need a second board to mix it because if you've watched this online before sometimes you can hear the people singing sometimes you can't some instruments are louder than others and all that stuff so we need more personnel and we don't have the right software and hardware to do it well so we're going to pause on that and really only do the message now if you really love to worship then my first encouragement is come join us if you can I know it's a health thing for some I really really get that but there's so much more that you, you really miss. And so, if possible, come and join us live for our worship together. And or, maybe God's calling somebody to speak into and give into helping us with that equipment and software. Or maybe he's calling you to be the person who can help us to do it. Because it's a personnel problem as well as a, you know, some uh, technology stuff. So, for those reasons, starting next week, we're going to be doing our sermons only. Okay, so thank you for that. Now, we've been in this series called The Bait of Satan, and we started talking about several things. In fact, this is our, now our fourth message. So we talked about The Bait of Satan, this book that was written, talks about the deadly trap of offense. How what Satan begins to do is get you to be offended at something somebody said or something somebody did so that you take a step back. And then you want to act in some getting even or whatever your reaction is, but it begins to separate relationships. Once that starts, it takes you down a path that keeps us from being, number one, unified the way God has called us to be unified. And then number two, moving together on the mission that he has given us to do. And so these are our messages. We said, number two, let God lead you through offense. So when you're offended... Let God lead you through it. Last week, Taryn talked about what happens when a spiritual father, when a spiritual leader, when someone who you really uh, admire, honor, or respect as a spiritual leader lets you down. Because those wounds can be difficult, you know, to overcome. And it makes people want to leave and leave churches and all that kind of stuff. So how do we handle that well until today? How do we handle unfair treatment? So here's my first question. When treated unfairly, what are you tempted to do? I mean, if you've really been treated unfairly, what is the temptation for you? Strike back. Strike back. I want mercy for me and justice for you. Mercy, mercy for me and justice for you. <laughs> wow. Well said, Matthew. Sounds like you've got some, you know, some experience in this. We want to retaliate. We want to get even. We want to fight back. We want to protect. How dare you question their motives? Right? We, for us, we, we like, man, I, I want to be judged based on my intent, based on my heart, but I want to judge you based on your actions. Right? And so there's a big gap in between those two. So let's just, and, and listen, that can be in really big things when someone really attacks your character, those kind of things. It can be in small little things, even in small, you know, uh, discussions, arguments at home. Let's say, hypothetically, that I'm sitting and watching one of my favorite television shows. And my wife walks in the room and sits down in a chair and looks at me and with a quiet tone says, Hey, babe, I'm concerned that you're spending so much time watching television, especially during football season. (laughs) And hypothetically, she says... What I would really like for you to do is go away for a couple of days and evaluate what you really want because it's wounding. It's, it's keeping us from really having good together time at night. What if I were to say back, well, I'm, I don't like the way that you sit over there and keep researching log cabins at night because you want to see the leaves changing colors and... And, and that's keeping me from my television time. Or rather, it's keeping me from us being together. You, what you do at night. Now, how far are we going to get if that's the argument? What's, what's going to happen if that's how we handle things? Because we're going to be offended and we're going to go to bed. And it's not ideal. And then it's going to go to the next day. And if you're not careful, a pattern develops that begins to remove your hearts from each other just a little bit, which is the goal of offense. Now, what if a better response was this? Hey, I don't need to go away and think about it for a couple of days because I choose you. You're way more important to me than this football game. (laughs) So I'm going to turn the television off at night. (laughs) I love a woman who loves football, right, Deborah? (laughs) And, and, uh, And that would be a better response. And hypothetically, her response back could be, and guess what? I found the ideal cabin for us to get away and, you know, go watch the leaves change colors, and I can't wait to get away with you. By the way, right now might be the best time to tell you just to announce next week, Suzanne and I are going to the North Georgia mountains into a (laughs) log cabin. And so, we're not going to be here next week. (laughs) Proverbs 28 says this. To make rash, hasty decisions, show that you are not trusting the Lord. But when you rely totally on God, you will still act carefully and prudently. Isn't that wise advice? Because aren't we we tempted to just lash back, to get even, to go after somebody instead of pausing and asking, is she right? Are they right? Because we're so easily offended. And boy, if we could just have as our first step, pause and ask about what is right about it. Self-confident, know-it-alls will prove to be fools. But when you lean on the wisdom from above, you will have a way to escape the troubles of your own making. Anybody suffer troubles of your own making because you spoke too quickly, acted out too harshly, didn't pause as your first step? So this is our goal. This is what we want to overcome. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls, Proverbs 25 says. If you have no self-control, you act too hastily, I mean, you're going to find yourself vulnerable and exposed. The enemy can easily come in and tear apart things that are valuable to you. So there's got to be a better way. So what I want to do is give you three reasons to keep listening to our message this morning. Number one, fair is not a useful concept. And we want to say, hey, that's not fair, that's not fair. And we want to argue about all of that. But listen, if God treated you fairly, would that be a good thing for you? So we're not really wanting fair. We are wanting grace to cover our own weaknesses. Because we all stumble, right? We all do things where people or God could easily be offended And so there's got to be something greater than we live for. Number two, viewing yourself as a victim tends to keep you in the past and promotes a sense of powerlessness. So, oh, I was wounded, I was hurt, I was hurt, I was hurt, and it paralyzes you, and you hold on to those things. And not only does it help you lose your power, but it makes you ineffective where you are today. And so we can't keep acting as victims. We can't keep holding on to the past wounds, we got at some point we have to let those go so that we can be effective in what God is calling us to do now. And then, number three, negative thoughts and emotions inhibit positive change. I want to have positive change, I want to be effective, I want God to use me in a powerful way. So, what I want to do is, I want to go over five things, and it's really a progression, but five things that helps us. To begin handling offense well. How do you handle unfair treatment? Here's number one. So get the notes out in front of you. In the pew in front of you. And start filling in some blanks. Number one. Slow down to the truth. Somebody does something and it offends you. You want to act hastily. Because you're emotional. And because you feel like I'm being attacked. Or or whatever it is. Just pause. Hit the pause button. And just slow down. Because the first thing we have to ask ourselves is are they right that's not the easy thing to do is it because boy there's all those emotions inside us but you're in control of your emotions and we have to teach ourselves how to do this so number one slow down to the truth in Matthew 16 the Bible says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say the son of man is Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Like, well, everybody has a different opinion. You know, some people say you're the forerunner of the Messiah, but you're not the Messiah. Some say you're as hard as Elijah or as weeping as Jeremiah or somebody else who just really wants to be used by God. But then Jesus asked him, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter's like, look, I've heard everybody's opinion, but I made a decision to examine, to pause, to look at you. And this is what I believe. You are the Messiah. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son John. By the way, you want to applaud whenever Peter finally gets it right. Because if you've studied your Bible right, Peter never gets it right. This is like the only time he spoke out and he got the right answer. And you're going to go, yay, Peter. But he's like, you, you didn't come up with that on your own. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Why, everybody has an opinion. Making quick, rash judgments. Who is that? Like John the Baptist. Like somebody else. Not a big deal. But he's like, listen, if you were to pause and to look for the truth, God will reveal it to you. God revealed that to you. Do you remember over in the book of Joshua in chapter 9? Joshua and the Israelites were going into the Canaan land, taking this land, this possession that God had given them. And all of a sudden, the Gibeonites were afraid that they were going to be taken over by the Israelites. And so they lied to them and said, hey, we're from a long ways off, but we want to do a peace treaty with you. And so they presented themselves to to Joshua and to the Israelite leaders. And they came in and they said, hey, you know, we're from a long way. We're way, 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 way off. And there's no way that you would ever get to us, but we want to form a peace treaty with you because we heard your God is so powerful. And they're like, well... How do we know you're not lying to us? How do you know that you don't live close by and you're just deceiving us? And he's like, look at me. When I left home, these clothes were brand new. And they're tattered and torn and they're old. Look at our bread. When we left home, it was freshly baked. And it's all moldy. We can't even eat it now. The Bible says this, verse 14. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. And Joshua made a peace treaty with them. They didn't slow down to the truth. They made a quick, rash decision. And they didn't pause to ask or think what was right. And so not only did it wound them from advancing into the land that God had given them. But look at this next statement. Then the people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. Not only does it, uh, it inhibit you know, your mission... But it causes distrust among the people who know you well. If I can't trust you as a leader or your decisions, then this is going to keep us from moving together. And there's and there's going to be grumbling, right? And so I really need to begin to slow down and ask myself, what is the truth? And when you talk about the Word of God taking root in your heart, remember when Jesus was doing uh, the four different kind of hearts? And he's like, when the Word of God goes out, it falls on hard ground and Thorny ground and stony ground and good ground. This is what he said about the stony ground. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation, persecution, when trials come, and it arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. When, the, when truth doesn't take root in you, when the word of God isn't your high, highest priority in decision making, then you can easily be offended and be tempted to make quick decisions which may not be wise. Boy, if we could just stop for a moment and begin to pause whenever we're offended. Think of a time when somebody said something that offended you. And it could be a small thing about how much television you watch. Or a large thing about what your character is. Or who you are, who you think. It it could be anything. Do you pause? Do you back away? Before you say anything too quickly, do you back away and ask, are they right? Right? So that's number one. Okay, number two. Be washed in humility. And this is a reference to Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Do you remember that night? I mean, do you remember when we read that night? Because there were a whole series of events that happened very quickly on that night. So this is Jesus in an upper room with his 12 apostles. And they're sharing the Passover meal. And Jesus knows the very next day I'm going to go and I'm going to be you know, beaten, scourged, tried, falsely accused and crucified I'm going to die and so he's doing the Lord's Supper with all of his apostles and as they're going through the Passover Jesus takes the bread and instead of using it as a symbolically with what the Israelites went through when they were leaving Egyptian bondage Jesus said this is now going to represent my body which is going to be broken for you I'm going to die and then he took the cup and he said this is represents my blood which is going to be shed for you. Guys, I'm going to die. And he continued, Luke 22. But here at this table sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? He's like, I'm sitting here with you as my friends, but one of you is going to betray me. And it's going to lead to my death. I'm going to die and and it's this is very difficult on me and it's going to happen as soon as we leave this room just look at this these next verses the disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing who's going to do that it's not going to be me peter i bet it's you cuz you're so impulsive or I bet it's going to be you. It's not going to be me. I bet it's going to be you. They continued that discussion while Jesus is over there with his heart pouring out and hurting. They began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Hey, when the Messiah kicks the bucket, who's going to take over? It's going to be me. No, it's not. Who would ever follow you? It's not going to be you. Can you believe Jesus is pouring out his heart? And, and I'm about to go to a cross and die. And all you can think about is defending yourself. How great are you? And so Jesus says this. In this world, kings and great men lorded over their people. Yet, they're called friends to the people. But among you, it will be different. It should be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. You're arguing about the wrong thing. You're trying to protect yourself. And what people want to know is as your first step, will you first protect them? And the leaders should be like a servant who is more important the one who sits at the table or the one who serves well the one who sits at the table of course but not here for i'm am among you as one who serves and he washes their feet can you see how whenever there's someone says something that offends us it's like all we want to do is defend ourselves it's all about me and i got to protect mine And Jesus said, that is not a spiritual leader. A spiritual leader first pauses and says, what is best for you? What's best for the kingdom? That's the kind of people God's looking for. So the first thing we have to do is hunger for the truth. And then the second thing is be washed in humility so that we can easily come back and say, what you're saying is the truth. And I need to submit to it. I need to be humble enough to hear it, receive it, and obey it. These are the first two steps to not easily be offended. And by the way, the more we do that, the better we'll get at it. Now these next two that I'm going to give you are like two sides of the same coin. Because sometimes you're in a situation and truth has to be spoken. And it might offend somebody. You might speak truth to someone, and they might be hurt. Someone can come to Listen, this happens a lot. They come to me, and they're like, Rick, here's the real truth of the matter. And so I have to be really good at submitting to that and saying, you know what? You're exactly right. I am sorry, right? And so what happens in those scenarios? Well, here's number three. Let God be the judge. Sometimes we're in situations, and a truth has to be spoken, even if somebody's offended. And Jesus didn't mind doing that. He didn't want people to be offended. But he just knew there's sometimes when I can't back off. Right? Here's one where he offended the Pharisees. And So at the top of every one of these slides, I want to show you who's the one being offended. There's Jesus offended the Pharisees. This is Matthew 15. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. What the Pharisees are doing is not right. I love the way, if you've not seen The Chosen yet, man, you've got to download that app and watch The Chosen. I love it. In this situation, this scene, you know, where they're, they're like, Jesus, do you realize that you just offended the Pharisees? Jesus' reply was, you know, and of course, they take this poetic license. He said, what am I supposed to say to them? Hey, keep doing what you've been doing for the last thousand years. It's working so well right it's like okay so i just was more dramatic than the the chosen was but what jesus is saying is at some point you have to speak truth not to offend somebody but because you're looking for something better that's right so those were the pharisees what about his hometown remember when jesus went back to nazareth and they all rejected him and then they scoffed. Jesus was speaking, and, and they're like, "Woo! listen to what this, man, this guy, he's good. I mean, he's, where did he get all this knowledge?" They scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. We know Mary' his mother. We know his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon and Judas, and all his sisters live right here among us. We know this guy, and he's no big deal. When did he learn all these things? Where did he get this information? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. I mean, sometimes you just might speak the truth, and people have they have their own version, their own vision, their own perspective, and they don't care about truth. But it doesn't mean we can back away either. He's not trying to offend them, he's trying to help them. But they still took offense, right? Here's another example. He offended his own his family. And when Jesus' family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. He was acting in a way that they thought, we can't defend it. We don't understand it. And so we're just going to, we got we to gotta try to rescue Jesus. Here he goes again, and he's hurting, offending people. And so they're like, he's out of his mind. And so, man, Jesus is offending all kinds of people. Here are some of his disciples. Man, this is one of the hardest chapters in the Gospels for me to read. Because all these people were following Jesus and they're all, hey, we want to make you king and keep feeding us all these great meals. And we don't have to work and it's going to be glorious. And then Jesus stopped and he just challenged them with a discipleship heart. And many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? I mean, you want me to put you on easy street and I challenged you with why are you really here? Does that offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascending to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are Spirit and life. I'm trying to help you. And all you're looking for is an e- a hand at something easy. And then he got quiet and he waited. And John six sixty six. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Sometimes the truth separates and hurts and people get offended. And this is, the, this is just one side of the coin, remember? So there are times when we still have to speak truth, right? If you see somebody going on a path and you know it's going to lead to something that is not good, can you just turn your head and walk away? Not if you love them. Not if you want to save them. Not if you want them in heaven. At some point, sometimes, you have to say and do the right thing. Did you know that Jesus even offended John the Baptist? The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. Hey, you're not going to believe it. This cousin of yours, y'all sat down as kids and talked about how you were going to lead the people back into the heart of God. And you're out here in the wilderness preaching hard truths. You've given up everything for the sake of the kingdom. And Jesus is eaten with sinners. He was at Matthew's house, a tax collector. And he's at parties. He's at weddings. He's turning water into wine. He is not acting like the Messiah. So John called two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord and he asked them, get this. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Hey, Jesus, are you going to start doing your job or not? (laughs) Now, how should Jesus have responded? I want you to watch because Jesus didn't say anything. He hit the pause button. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. He restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have just seen and heard. The blind see. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. Directly from Isaiah. I am the fulfillment of the prophets. And he added... God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Don't get offended by me, John. God called you to do something. Do it. He called me to do something else. Don't sit in judgment over me. Don't be offended. We're on the same team. We're fighting for the same cause. Right? So it's pretty easy I think, to offend somebody, especially when you're speaking the truth. Now, here's the balance side to that. Number four, when possible, give in. Whew. When possible, give in. Just because the truth might need to be spoken doesn't mean it always has to be spoken in a certain way or at a certain time. And so one time, you know, these people, they came and they were challenging Jesus and they were treating him like he was a foreigner and his apostles and they wanted to tax him and so... On the arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, does your teacher pay the temple tax? "Uh, Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. Jesus was in the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? Uh, Will they tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. You know, you, you conquer people, you take their tax, you take their stuff and then The people of the king's house, the king's family, are able to prosper, to live off of that. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. We're we're also we're we're citizens, we're free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you'll find a large silver coin. Take and pay the tax for both of us. He said, look, we're right because we belong to the king. We belong to God. We should be treated as family. They don't like us, and so they're treating us like opposition. But instead of fighting back in a battle we could win, just humbly submit yourself. Just go, get that fish, and pay the tax. It's, it, that battle is not worth the argument. Romans 14, that whole chapter is about being easily offended. Some people considered every day the same. Some people considered certain days special. Some people would eat meat offered to idols. Other people thought you need to stay as far away from that stuff as possible. And as Paul speaks into it, he says, So let's stop condemning each other and decide instead to live in such a way that you'll not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Let's, don't, let's just don't keep pursuing that. There are some times when you need to just stop doing something if it causes somebody to stumble. If they could easily be offended, that's not the goal. 1 Corinthians 8 9 says this, but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with the weaker conscience to stumble. There may, you know, there used to be a long time ago, we were talking about, hey, can you play cards at night? You know, can you play poker and stuff? And people are like, oh, you need to stay away from gambling. And so the church was really strong against it. So to play cards or not to play cards? And there have been all kind of issues like that in the church, right? For those of you who have been around a long time, we found so many stupid, can't, I can't say stupid, there to are too many children in the room, so many unimportant things to argue about. It's like everybody wants to argue, because everybody wants to be in charge, everybody wants to be right. I want you to support my cause, which is better than everybody else's. Oh, all that territorial guarding gets you nowhere. You want to read a, p- a verse of Scripture that's important? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. I know you're right, and you could go to court and win. And then Paul says this, but why not just let yourself be cheated? Just let yourself lose for the sake of the kingdom of God. Well, who wants to do that? I mean, if Paul came to you and says, and you went, hey, I got a dilemma. And I want to stand up and I can be right. What should I do? Just let yourself lose. Just give in. Let them be right. And keep fighting in the kingdom of God. Would you go back to that person for advice? I hope. Because that's the truth. And those are the two sides of being offended. Can you speak what is truth? Sometimes you have to. But do it in Love. Yeah, thanks, Deborah. And that that really is our first point. If you really hunger for the truth of the matter, let God lead you in it. Pause. Find the truth. Be submissive. Check your attitude. Speak truth whenever God calls you to. And then be silent when you need to. When possible, give in. Number five, and this really just grabs it all. Pursue peace in all things. 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 So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Romans 14. Here's another one. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. You think we can do that? When you're offended, do you think we can do that? And so it comes down, and Tyler and the worship team, if you can, go ahead and come on up. If you can, here it is, James 1 19. Be quick to say it out loud. Listen, slow to and slow to. Can we do that? Can we pause to the truth? Can we be covered in submission, washed in humility? Let God's truth go out. Let God be the word of God be the truth. And then us, when possible, give in, submit. It's not about me winning. It's about everyone going to heaven. And then when possible, give in. Let truth reign. Seek it with all your heart. I want us to go into a time of communion. And so before we just leave, I want us to spend the last few minutes of our worship just stopping for a minute taking our own pause we've covered several things in this message that where jesus showed us what to do the first one started in the upper room when he was sharing communion with his apostles and he was trying to teach them this is the place where you stop and pause and remember jesus gave his life for us his body was broken his blood was shed So that the word of God could go forth and people could be saved. And instead of arguing about how great we are or whatever we feel like we want to do. We pause. We slow down. We're washed in the humility of what Jesus wants us to do. And so we're going to pause and we're going to have communion. If you've never done this before. We have up front and in the back these communion trays. And we want you to be invited to come. The little bread, it represents Jesus' body. The juice represents his blood. And as you eat and drink, it's your way of saying, Lord God, I want more of you inside all of me. Transform me, you know, with your healing hand. If you want to sit and just worship, have your own prayer, then you feel free to just bow your head and just pray. I loved the way that you did that in the song earlier. Just, I'm on my knees, God, just giving you all. You know, so if you want to stand and worship, stand and worship. This is your time to respond to whatever it is you think the Word of God is calling from you. Let's pray.